Behind the Music Biz, a Raised Rowdy podcast hosted by Peyton Heben. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Music Biz, a Raised Rowdy podcast. I'm your host, Peyton Heben. Today marks episode number four, so we're still very fresh to the podcast scene. Thank you to everyone that's been listening so far, and uh, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Today we're joined by a very special guest. He's an experienced tour manager that I've been following and looking up to for a while now. He's currently uh, tour managing rising country rock star Ella Langley, and he uh, he's the, also the events manager for Jam Factory, which is a booking agency in Nashville that handles most of the downtown venues near or on Broadway. So please welcome Chase Butler. What's going on, brother? Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, dude. I was telling you before we got started that uh, I listened to the other three and they're fantastic. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got some great guys on there. Yeah, thanks. I really don't know what I'm doing quite yet, but we'll get there. At least you're doing it, though. Yeah. You know? But, uh, yeah, we've been mutuals on social media for a while now. For a while. How we've, long have you been in town? Uh, so I I signed my lease in Hendersonville. That was July of 2022. But I was back and forth between there because I was still in, in person classes at Florida Gulf Coast. Right. So I was okay. flying back and forth like twice a month. Gotcha. Um, until January of 23. And I that's when like, I moved full time. I feel like we were DMing well before Yeah, that was then. like 2021. Yeah. Sick. Long time ago. Now look at us. But this is the first time we've met, I think, right? Uh, Or even seen each other in person. mm, I don't know. There's probably some drunken live oak or red 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 door Door nights for sure. (laughs) I see a lot of people at Red Door. I try not to even go anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly haven't been since March. Yeah. um, I I, I couldn't tell you the last time I went to Red Door, honestly. Um, But it's the only place that I've ever gone in Nashville where I've seen famous people and just they're not even famous when they're there. Oh yeah, they're just chilling. It's weird. Everybody likes to drink beer. Yeah, so they gotta go somewhere. <laughs> but uh, before we really dive into your story and kind of your resume in in the music business, I kind of want to read to the audience just your past TMing jobs: Tyler Braden, Laney Wilson, Parmalee, Job Fortner, Casey Tyndall. Yes, sir. And then you've been on tours with John Party, Luke Bryan. Justin Moore, Dirks Bentley, Chase Rice, Mitchell Tenpenny, David Nail, Brooks and Dunn, Brantley Gilbert, Morgan Wallen, Tracy Lawrence, and Whiskey Myers. Damn, that's a lot. That's nuts. <laughs> I was so I was stalking your LinkedIn. Can you see when I look at your LinkedIn profile? Nah, I don't know. I, I just updated it the other day because people ask me all the time. They're like, "Well, when were you with such and such?" And up until this year, I thought I'd been in town. January second is my like move to Nashville date. So I know it was coming up and people were asking me, they were like, how long have you been in town? I was like, 10 years in January. It's only been nine years, but time just, I don't know. It's it's wild in Nashville. You you can't keep up with any kind of time. So I had to start time stamping. I literally had to sit down, go through old show posters and stuff yeah. to just start time stamping when I was with who. Um, but yeah, been doing it for January 2nd will be nine years. I've been in Nashville and eight years, uh, TMing, so that's wild. It's wild. I was because I I knew you tour managed like 
like decent sized names and whatnot. Like I, I think I knew who you were only when you were tour managing Tyler. Yeah. But I mean, I knew you were on sweet tours then, but I didn't know until yesterday, all those people. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. I've been very fortunate. Um, a lot of people took a chance on me early and, um, yeah, extremely grateful for these, those folks because, uh, would never be sitting here right now or with Miss Ella if, uh, if, uh, you know, these artists hadn't picked me up and believed in me. So before we get into all the Ella stuff, cause I definitely want to talk about that. Cause she's really popping off right now. Um, so that puts you moving to town 2013, 20, 2014. Uh, oh God, here we go. Uh, 2014. Is that right? I don't know. Cause I graduated high school in 13. Okay. What so year you, is it? You skipped the college part. Well, I, so I went to a community college and, uh, in Alabama, as soon as I graduated high school, um, got a scholarship to a community college and went. And uh, I hate like this is gonna. This is just my personal opinion, but I hate I hate college. I hate college because if you want to go study something, you can't just go study that. You got to knock out the biologies and the you know the trigonometries and all that kind of stuff. It's like I don't need to know the mitochondria of a cell if I'm trying to yeah. rock the music business. So, um, of course, whenever I made the move to Nashville, I went to MTSU. That was kind of my reason. My parents were kind of pushing college at the time. And, um, of course, whenever I transferred from the community college to MTSU, nothing would, you know, only a few things transferred. Then I had to retake, you know, the maths and the sciences and I was just done with it, man. I mean, barely went to school. Yeah. My parents are probably going to hear this and be shocked, but well, I, I, I started think- this podcast with the intentions of making it solely about music business because I learned from because I didn't take any music business classes, I didn't go to school for it, so my only experience is just being here learning. And I was listening to podcasts, I was listening to Matt Perrell's Outside the Round and Nikki T's um, the Ray's Rowdy podcast, right? But um. But that's how I learned. So I wanted it to be, they were doing a lot of artist stuff and obviously I couldn't necessarily relate to that, but I would listen to the names that yeah. they would drop and I'd look them up on Instagram and I'd, I, then I'd go to Live Oak and I'd recognize their face. I'd go up, and introduce myself. And that was my way of learning. Learning. Yeah. So a lot, I created this podcast hoping that maybe people that want to do it or, uh, classes like I think University of Georgia has a music business class. Like they could show these podcasts. Yeah. However, on every episode, we've almost like bashed going to college. Right. I mean, college is not for everyone. That's let's just go ahead and put that out there. I mean, everybody you, you got different things you're going for. Obviously, the doctors, please go to please go to college, but um yeah, for the music industry, I think it's 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 all about what you make it. You know, you can go to college and there's classes now at MTSU and at Belmont that you can get, um, you know, music business degrees, but you can also go get a uh, live studio production or, um, live show production degrees. And, um, they do kind of tailor that if you can get through the, the other stuff to get yeah. to the good courses. I mean, it, it was great whenever I was at MTSU because I was finally getting to do a few music business courses, like entry level stuff. Like they had a class tour management one one that was the class. Yeah. We, I had this um, professor that was actually from Mobile, Alabama, my hometown. And um, we got along and she was extremely insightful. I mean, I had the books from it, you know, but it wasn't like, 
it's so tough to talk about because it's like the, the courses were based off of the book, but you also just had to have some kind of general knowledge of how music industry works, you know? And it's like, thank you for starting a podcast like this because it's definitely helpful uh, for people moving to town every day, for people to just like want to quit their current job and get into the music industry. Um, you know, I didn't have anything like this. Yeah. Just as you, you know, it's like I, I graduated high school in 2013. I, I didn't have any kind of resources. I knew one person that was up here and I just liked what he was doing and, you know, how he was living his life. And I was like, I want to do that. I was the same exact you know? way. I was a freshman at Georgia Southern 2018. And I saw this dude that's from my hometown. He like went to Auburn. I think then he left to move to Nashville, started managing Hayden Kaufman. Yeah. And I was like, I love this dude's life. Like, I'm seeing him post with a whole bunch of, like, artists that are now huge, like Poppin', radio artists. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, damn, I, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was definitely tough, you know, during those times going to school just because, you know, I was making – I literally made a perfect grade. I made a 100 in the class for Tour Management 101. And then I was I, – I don't even know if I passed – like the trigonometry class yeah. that I had to take. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm, I'm killing it over here. History of music industry, history of the music, music business, all of those are courses killed. Those got A's in those because I was super interested in that, but I could barely get out of, you know, biology three at, you know, MTSU. And that's so. where they'll get you. Right. They'll get you there for five, six years. Cause you can't pass those classes that Hell you don't no. care about. And you like I said, if you, if you transfer, yeah. you're kind of screwed out the gate or you got to really do your research to see what's going to transfer. It's yeah. like, I don't want to take, you know, two years of, you know, I don't, I don't even know what math, highest math you can take now. Um, but anyway, I don't want to take two, two years of algebra and then, you know, have to retake it yeah. just because I, you know, go to a different school. When that, I transferred from Georgia Southern, I think only three credits transferred for me. Yeah. I had taken a full year of classes. So it was like I never even went to college my first year. It was like I took a gap year. Right. So I graduate in like 10 days. Congratulations. Thank you. God Done. bless you. Done forever. <laughs> I thought I thought I was going to maybe do a music business master's degree at West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Dude, what's even worse than that is that you moved to town. Like I swapped states. I came from Alabama to Tennessee. Yeah. Then they hit you with out-of-state tuition. Yes. And it's double the tuition. It's outrageous, bro. Yeah. They set you up for failure. I mean, from what I've experienced, obviously, but I, yeah, I don't like it. Um, yeah, not to bash college. Like, if you're going to college, stick to it. Because my dad always told me to keep me going through it. I was like, Dad, I really don't need it. I've never once been asked to show my college degree. Like, no one's asked me, are you in college? Have you gone to college? It's just like, who do you know? How much do you know in this business? Like, what experience have you had? It's like, right. Dad, I really don't need it. He's like, but it shows an employer that you were committed to something. And you, you can finish. That, that you can finish. Right. That you didn't want to do it, but you did it. No, I mean, I and I agree with your dad. It does. Yeah. And, you know, luckily my parents were super cool with, you know, I obviously had to prove myself. It was like, right. hey, I'm going to drop out of college. I know that we've just spent X amount on, you know, this, and it's put me in debt, you know, before I even start my adult life. But, um I, this is what I want to do and I have an opportunity to, you know, to do it. And, uh, that's what got me on the road. You know, I had to prove my parents like this is profitable. This is a profitable right. business. Nobody in small town, Alabama knows how all this works. I mean, that's everybody, yeah. right? The, the joke in 
for everybody in the music industry is uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas when you go back home. You know, you have to re-explain to your parents right. and your grandparents what you do for a living yeah. because it, they just don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I was able to prove, you know, to them that I could make a living and I could pay my bills, you know, doing this. And uh, they never, you know, they've supported me every step of the way for sure. So you knew one person coming up here and you saw what they did and you liked it. Was yeah. that, were they a tour manager? He was not. He, he was actually a um, family friend of our family doctor. Um, back in Mobile, um, he was like a music business attorney in town, and uh, I just liked his swagger, dude. Like he he would always come around, and I mean, I was I've always hold uh, hung out with an older crowd, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just remember him coming to town, man. And I mean, he was probably late forties at the time, and I was seventeen, eighteen years old, and we were like smoking cigars together, and like talking about music and you know i just liked that yeah you know it's more like intellectual right it's like i gained more from five conversations with him than i have from any textbook yeah you know um so yeah i just knew him and he kind of opened some doors for me um while i was still in alabama that you know that got me to this point um he made one phone call and i was um working for a multi-genre music festival as a 17 year old, normally she, the, the CEO, she didn't offer any kind of, uh, any kind of internships to anybody unless you were in college. Right. And, uh, he spoke on my behalf and at 17, I was working for the music festival. What music festival is that? It was Bayfest music festival. So at the time it was Alabama's largest music festival. Um, they ended up shutting the doors on it. Let me see. I was, I worked at 13, 14, and then they shut the doors on it in 15. Gotcha. So I worked on it all, you know, my senior year of high school, my freshman year of college, and then I moved to Nashville and I was up here at MTSU. And uh, I was in a class and we were three months out from the event and they shut the doors on it. What was your role? Was it like marketing or were you? Yeah, everything really. Marketing. Um, I would just get all the assets, you know, from all the artists and all their camps, um, website stuff. Um, we had a committee that would pick all the local artists that played there as well. Um, so we did that, um, weekend of the festival. I was kind of like the country stage, just like, if you need something, I'm here kind of guy. Um, you know, and that's really where I got to see tour managers at work. Because I didn't, like I said, I didn't know anything right. about the music industry at all. And uh, I learned more from that festival. You know, I learned a lot from that festival. It taught me a lot. But I got to see, you know, guys that would just come in, build the show, roll out. And I was like, I want to do that for sure. Small kid from Alabama. Don't have anything holding me back. I just want to travel and see the world. And uh, I have. So. so that's how tour management came into play for sure by just seeing that and yeah you didn't want to do artist management or not at the time i don't think i was i just i just figured that was something i could do right like travel and uh you know go around with artists doing something i didn't know what that was i thought you know at first i was going to be probably a merch guy um merch guy still had the best job in the world oh yeah <laughs> jesus shout out bradley curry with muscadine bloodline yeah no kidding brad's <laughs> crushing dude um but yeah they they're they're killing it um 
but that that's where I thought I would really get my foot in the door first. Um, also while I was in high school, I got an internship at the local radio station. Um, I thought I was going to be like running and getting coffee and they first day they pulled me in on the radio and I was like, what is going on? But, uh, yeah, I did a top 40, uh, station and then uh we also had a country station in the building and uh, luckily a guy that i was going to high school with was also a um intern at the radio station he ended up now he's like in chicago he was on the bull like he's a, a huge personality radio personality and, and and tv personality but um i had a bunch of like god winks you know it was like you should keep staying with this right. right a lot of opportunities i honestly i thought i was going to do political science before uh before the music industry that was kind of like my trajectory and uh yeah thank god i didn't do that yeah i'm the same way. i don't even know truthfully i don't even know what i would have done i i went to school i want to be a firefighter my whole life and i went to school to do sports psychology and then somehow along the way it was just an opportunity presented itself and yeah. i feel like that's how it happens for a lot of people absolutely yeah, I mean, you, you obviously get the Belmonts and the MTSUs and all the people that moved to Nashville. They want to do it their whole lives. It runs in the family. Me, it was like I had nothing. Right. At all. Yeah. Yeah, I was not a good athlete. So, I mean, I was decent at, you know, a few different sports, but not – I was definitely not going to college to play yeah. sports, um, which is quite different from my dad. My dad went to school, played baseball, um, and my mom didn't go to college, but she went to work right after – after high school so um yeah I, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do either honestly to be to be quite honest with you I had a, a few teachers that really invested in me early um you know I was going to uh, Montgomery um to page for the house of representatives and for the senate and stuff like that and I was really into that like that was my thing I loved wearing the suit I love walking down the hall hey good morning how are you good to see you you know let's run over this thing real quick um you know, that was, that's fun to me. I like, and I do the same way, the same thing now yeah. too. You know, you walk into a new venue, it's like, good morning. How are you? You know, let's, let's talk through this. How are we going to make today happen? Um, so like I said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, people early on that invested into me in different ways, but yeah, I still can't believe I get to do this for a living. Back, so back to that festival, um, when you were kind of meeting everybody and all, you saw the tour managers, is there any connections that you made that are still that you kind of that were essentially mentors to you or someone you looked up to that you still talk to to this day? For sure. Um, and I've I've um, told his camp this now. He's now no longer a tour manager, but he's a he's in the business and he's day to day. But there was a guy with Justin Moore. Um, we had Justin come to a, the festival and uh, it was his TM at the time. And I got to see him later on and we actually just toured around with justin again this year and i uh, got to see him again and every time he's like i still can't believe you made it up here and we're now touring you know what i'm saying it's like it's so crazy because yeah. i hit him up for an interview um in college actually too where so i met him at at the music festival in high school got to mtsu got to the tour management 101 class had to interview somebody that held a position that i want to you know that i wanted to to follow and uh it was him and he uh he responded and was super insightful and gave me a lot of tips and uh yeah now we get to see each other all the time every time we're out with just more we get to see him that's sweet what was the uh so you grew up in mobile alabama yeah a little small town about 20 minutes north 
of Mobile called Satsuma. What was the? Uh, <laughs> that sounds Alabama. Yeah, for sure. What uh? What was the music scene like? Because I know you got Muscadon from that area. Man, I I graduated in thirteen, and that was right when Muscadon was Muscadon, I believe. I think they just changed their name. I remember like Vine back in the day. Um, whenever I was in high school, we all had Vine and. Um, Charlie was separate, Gary was separate, and then they posted something and it took off. Um, and then not long after that, they got together um, and changed their name to Muscadine because I think it was just Gary and Charlie to begin with. And then, um, and then, yeah, Muscadine formed. So that was pretty cool seeing them and where they are now. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. Especially all independent. Oh, dude. I have so much respect for those guys, that entire camp. Um, it's, it's unreal to see them where they are now, selling out all these rooms. Yeah. I mean, I think every show on the tour is sold out. Matt Burrell did a podcast with them on Outside the Round a few months ago. That's one of the best podcast episodes I've ever listened to. Oh, yeah. I've listened the, to it. it I yeah, keep the up insight with that they have is just like how they started to where they are now all by themselves is wild to me. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, same thing goes with like Riley. Riley was yeah. – um, I was telling the story. This is so ironic that all this is happening, but we just got off tour with John Party, and I was telling um, Party's camp the other day. We were talking, and I said uh, they came through Mobile, Alabama, 2014 maybe, and I would – no, it was before that. 2012, came through town. Uh, Party played at Soul Kitchen in Mobile, Riley opened solo acoustic and that was 2012. Well, they were doing the after party at this bar called saddle up right around the corner from soul kitchen. And, uh, I, I was like 16 years old, um, way too young to get into that place. And, uh, I just remember Riley was pulling up in his truck or his manager at the time's truck. And I just grabbed a speaker out of the back of his truck and I walked in and that's how I got to be in there that night, which is helping (laughs) Riley load in. But it's it's stuff like that, yeah, you know. It's like the small to, town, like yeah. grab something and start talking, and you know, figure it out. So, yeah, um, it takes a special person to be on the road. I mean, it's one thing to like to travel, but your life is on the road. Like you're probably are you living out of a suitcase? Yeah, yeah. Um, we just finished. We just wrapped up this weekend. We were in NFR out in Vegas for three days, and then Friday night or yeah saturday night we finished up with party 123 shows this year it's insane i was gone 222 days it's insane yeah yeah and the older i get this this really gonna i'm i'm not but 28 years old but i've been doing it for almost 10 years and it wears on you yeah i just had uh my very first episode which i think you listened to churro oh yeah did that for a while and then it was like all right i'm getting married i'm buying a house time to change paths right if that ever were to happen for you down the road whether you're 35 40 what what avenue would you want to take would you want to just artist management for sure yeah um i've dabbled in it um whenever i was with a company called deep south entertainment um at the time we had laney wilson casey tindall parmalee um a few others and that was I was able to, I was tour managing for Parmalee at the time and also for Laney and Casey just whenever they were out doing random stuff. 
And then uh, I was also working in the in the office during the week. It's a lot. It's a lot, but definitely I w- I would go artist management route for yeah. sure. It all kind of comes together a little bit. It all intertwines, but but both take special personalities because to be a tour manager, to live on the road, to not have your own bed every night, that's, I couldn't do it. Yeah. But then artist management is you're essentially a babysitter and you got to deal with the, the wine in and the emotions. And mm-hmm. it's like, so that tour also manage, takes tour management is the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you, the, you're not at home, right? You're out yeah. on the road. Things change all the time where you're going to sleep changes. I mean, thank God we were, I've spent most of this year on a bus. Um, first year that I've been on a bus since I was with Parmalee back in 2018. And, uh, I can tell you my back thanks me for being on a bus for sure. Van life is wild. Pulling all nighters, driving here and there is crazy. Um, so I'm super thankful to be where I'm at and who I'm with now to, uh, to watch this thing take off. But yeah, tour management is definitely babysitting for sure. What was your very first big tour where you're like, like I'm doing it. Like this is nuts. I would have to say, I remember the first time I got to like we opened for a big artist. Um, I was with a guy named Andy Velo, who was a uh, songwriter and artist in town, and he had a lot of opportunities. Partnership with Jim Beam, um, which we got to fly all over the place for that and open shows, you know, for uh, for Jim Beam shows and stuff. Um, and I believe we opened for Tracy Lawrence one time. And that was like the first time where I was like, holy crap, like this is the coolest thing ever. And then um, tour announcements, I mean, I got the job with Parmalee and went on the road with them. Um, even, but maybe before that, I feel like the I was with Job and Job got offered to go out with um, Whiskey, Myers. Whiskey Myers. So we did Whiskey Myers the first part of that year we came back and we did steel woods and then we did Cody Johnson back when Cody Johnson was playing like Zydeco bro. Like he was already killing it in Texas, but whenever he was doing like the peach tree route and stuff, like he was playing in Zydeco. Um, we went all over the place with Cody. That is so nuts to think about. Yeah. Cody Johnson playing Zydeco. Yeah. But the first tour 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 was the whiskey Myers tour. And that was, um, we did 28 days straight. There were five of us in a Dodge Grand Caravan. Oh, hell no. Dude, dude we had a $1,000 tour budget. And the van was $650 for the first week. I couldn't even, like, I couldn't even advance the next few weeks for the for the van because we can only afford the first week. And we started out in Nashville, and we didn't make money for three days. The first show was in Anaheim, California. <laughs> the house of blues so we had to drive all the way out there and i remember one night we slept in like we just slept in the van because we couldn't afford a hotel room but yeah and thank god for whiskey myers those guys were at the time they were one bus and one trailer and they had all of those there's a ton of people on stage with whiskey they had a tour manager guitar tech front house guy they were all on one bus and then every night they would give us their driver room so the driver, the bus driver would go sleep during the day. At night, he would get up, come meet him back at the venue, and hand us the room key. And then we would all go in and split a double queen room. 
it was wild. Yeah, I know that uh, we've been on the road a few times with with artists that I manage, um, and some of the artists, obviously, in their riders and stuff, they have hotels need to be provided, and they'll have like two or three rooms, but they don't. Sometimes they don't use them at all, or they'll just use them to shower, and that's it. Right. But we're the ones that need a place to sleep. So Absolutely. We've had them lend hotels rooms to us. Just be like, hey, we just need to take a shower. You can sleep there. Have for, the room for sure. It's great to have a good booking agent that'll uh, really kick somebody in the ass if they don't provide you with something. That's a big thing. We're all independent. Yeah. Everything independent. God bless you. That's the hard part. So that is what I'll say about artist management is if you're going to do it, like it's, it's really tough to start from the ground up. Oh yeah. No publisher, no booking agent, no label, just you and the artist just grinding. Yep. Cause you never know. It may never hit. But it could. But it could. And that's why we keep exactly. doing this crap, man. Yeah. Like it, it's just the the one chance that it does. Yeah. Especially in this town. I mean, you never know. Like, we could go out tonight and meet somebody. And Like, yesterday we just got put on a tour that we never thought. Yeah. Like, would like my artist making his Grizzly Rose debut. He's Let's from go. Colorado. That's a huge win for us. And at, a few months ago we were like, we're never going to make that happen. Dude, that's so dope, man. Congratulations, you guys, on that. It's the a, Rose is a cool place. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's so dope. But I, I never really go on the road. He he has a tour manager. Yeah. I just kind of sit in the comfort of my own home. Right. And but then go out for the fun stuff. Go out for the fun yeah. stuff. I'm going out for the Rose. <laughs> it's all fun, but like the, you know, the bigger moments for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, it's tough. It's tough. You got to be, we're all a little crazy to come here and do this. Oh, you yeah. know. Um. My parents still tell me I can always come back home. I'm like, hell no, I can't. <laughs> but uh, no, things are, uh, you know, they say it's a 10-year town. Some Sometimes it happens well before that, and sometimes it takes a minute. Yeah. Mine has taken a minute, but it's taught me so much. Well, I mean, just look at the – you can look at your resume, and at the time, so like you said, Laney was just playing random things. So if Laney wasn't Laney Wilson then – yeah. But look at her now. Yeah. So you have that under your belt. At the time, you're like, oh, I'm just tour managing from some smaller artist that's kind of doing some things here and there. Now she's the entertainer of she's the year. She's the goat, bro. Female vocalist of the year. Yeah. I love Lainey Wilson to death. She is whatever you guys think she is, she is. Like, she's the best human I've ever met. Um, yeah, I was actually going through my photos the other day trying to photo you know stamp all this stuff time stamp all this stuff and i found a show poster um from the tour announcement and it was she was opening solo acoustic in front of morgan and hardy and we were playing like the mine and mill in knoxville um i think we played iron city um places like that i mean you can't iron i mean city. now now with ella we're going out on tour with morgan uh next year and we're doing Allegiant stadium yeah. and uh arrowhead stadium and it's just the it's so crazy to watch that man i remember seeing luke Holmes. it's the same way with luke luke holmes was playing in iron city and he was first of three for cadillac three and chase rice and i i at the time i felt like i was the only person singing hurricane yeah and then you go you know fast forward a few years later and we're i'm at my first key west songwriters festival and luke was there and hurricane hit number one that night while we were there he was doing a round and jumped up and uh said his song hit number one that day like 
and now look at him. He's playing yeah. stadiums and different countries. I mean, they just did a world tour. That's the coolest shit. That's yeah. It's that's awesome. Nuts. That's that's the one thing I think in Nashville. Um, like everyone kind of just does their own thing. You have the like the attorneys, you have the the managers, the tour managers, and then the artists. Nobody thinks that we all relate somehow. But it's everyone in this town is just waiting for their moment to pop. Yep. Lainey had her moment to pop. I remember this was twenty it was either twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. I was in Statesboro, Georgia at Georgia Southern. I think it was eighteen. And it was uh have you ever played the Blue Room? Oh yeah. Yeah. So this was before Surprise the Blue we made Room. it out of that one. Yeah. This was like before the Blue Room was like really the Blue Room. I think it was the first year. It was something else before. Um and Morgan Wallen was playing it and Whiskey Glasses was out, but it hadn't even hit radio. Like it was nothing. Right. Um so that was like thirty dollar tickets in a small cap place. And then I went and saw Hardy at the ranch in Fort Myers. That's a fun place too. Yeah. Well, I'm Man. from Fort Myers. Yeah. So that's, that's my fun, spot. That's a fun spot. But there was like a thousand people there. Yeah. Maybe not even at the first. I saw him twice there. The first time it was like you could walk up to the stage with no problem. Right. Second time was after like God's Country and um, like he had written God's Country and all that stuff. And and they were in a van. No trailer, right? I don't know. I wasn't cool enough to go backstage yet. Now they're PJ into their stadium shows. Yeah. But that's it. That's why it's so addicting. That's why we stay in it. It's like, man, one day I want to do this, you know? And we are. Yeah. Ella's a prime example of that. When I first moved to town, Ella was playing. Dude, I probably saw her play. Like it was it felt like every writer's round I went to, Ella was playing it. And like you get a lot of those artists now where you just every writer's round you go to, it's the same people playing it. Yep. So all the Ray's Rowdy stuff that I was going to and it was all Ella playing it. And I was like, She's incredible, but Yeah, you she's never a rock know. star, bro. Dude. She's a rock star. And this past year, dude, I, I was I was with Tyler Braden for the last four years. And we've had a lot of firsts together. I mean, Tyler and I lived together in my first or our first house um, here in Nashville. We were out in Franklin, and dude, we we didn't have anything. Like I remember, he was he was still working at the fire service. Um, he would do rounds here and there, but hadn't signed a publishing deal, hadn't got signed to a record label or anything yet. And uh, I remember we had a TV that sat on the ground, and we had a sofa, and that's all we had. And we would like that's when you're you're with your buddies and you're like buying the big like pillowcase bags full of off-brand cereal. Like, yeah, you can't have Captain Crunch, but you can have you know Crunch Atomic or whatever the hell it is. But um, those days, and I mean we we built you know from from there to what he is now. I mean we did a Brantley Gilbert tour, we did Brooks and Dunn, we got to play Bridgestone with Brooks and Dunn, we played the Ryman with Mitchell Tenpenny. It's like to see that is unreal yeah and you know this fall i was just going out to uh to fill in for ella on this on this tour and um man i i joined this team and and they've been like family from the, the very first time i got in the van with them and um you know they offered me and i said yes and uh dude next year for her is her year oh i promise you dude I promise you. She just got named uh, CMT next up. Oh, I saw that yesterday. Um, yeah. You know, she, she, and we've got a lot of other things that we're about to announce. But, uh, 
she is she's crushing it. I mean, we're starting the year forty something dates with Riley Green and Tracy Lawrence. Get to play Red Rocks for the first time. Oh, that's crazy. Um, like I said, we announced the the um, Morgan Wallen t- tour. We do two nights in Allegiant Stadium, two nights at Arrowhead. Um, I mean, she's only been doing it for four years. Yeah. But I feel like my time, you know, doing it for this long has led me to be a great TM for her, you know, because this is her finally stepping into like, you know, big girl world right oh, here, yeah. you know, with all this. And uh, luckily I've I've had to, you know, grind and get to this place. But uh, I think we make a great team for sure. Yeah. She's a she's a rock star. Just dude. seeing the transition from from like it happened so fast for her because I'm like OG, like the hate me if you have to. So oh, yeah. And, uh, like all those, like when I first came to Nashville mm-hmm. before anything. Yeah. And then so fast, it was like she's playing arenas. Like she played Hertz Arena in Fort Myers. Yeah. With Party. Yeah. Yeah. My, my girlfriend says now, she's like, I swear you manifested this shit. <laughs> because like whenever she put out a, hey, Ma, I made it. Yeah. Sent it to my mom. Because that that's our thing. I always text my mom whenever I make it somewhere still. I, fly, I mean, I did two. 123 shows this year and every time i get there i text my mom and uh you know and then my girlfriend and i were riding around and she's like what song reminds me of you or reminds me reminds you of me and uh i played her one of ella's songs and then she's now we just got back from vegas with her you know and it's like country boys dream girl oh yeah <laughs> hell yeah but what what do you think the song like it could be a factor it could be your opinion that changed ella's career would you say it's damn you that like really damn you um yes i would also say paint the new one that she yeah. just put out that one is popping um fight crossed over you know got that texas yeah got co on it so texas country is paying attention you know i mean it, she's in a cool spot and um you know i, I i've heard the songs that she's going to be releasing next year I and it is imagine. a game changer yeah. bro and her live show has just improved from what it used to be to what it is now. She's really, really like grabbing that whole rock thing by the balls. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, the the party tour we just got off. We had twenty five minutes, and I swear we were we just were hoping we could get one extra one extra song in, dude. Yeah. She's got some bangers, and her band band is so good live. Ben Flanders, Howie Nunley, and uh, Rod Jackson. Those guys are pros ben played for someone else right like someone scott stapp scott stapp yeah yeah, yeah. he's covered yeah, in tats he's jacked the big he had the mohawk right has had i have no idea he I don't have he it now a, i thought he had a mohawk i'd I'm love to see a picture of that i don't know i just remember seeing that he played for like scott stapp or something and i thought that was so cool when i saw him in person for the first time yeah i know he's jacked dude yeah he's jacked i told him he's got to train me this we year when we get be, out on the road be on stage with scott stapp you have to be looking good right I mean, scott stapp's <laughs> Same standard for Ella. Yeah. Same standard. <laughs> but um but yeah, so what was your first bus tour? First bus tour was with Parmalee. I was a uh, assistant tour manager for them for eight months. And then um and yeah, I just remember the first time I, we drove out to all access, my first bus call ever. And uh I was scared to death. You leave your car there, you get on a bus with a bunch of strangers. I didn't know anybody, bro. Never met these guys before. And uh, got on the bus with them. And we just did. They they were doing some headlining stuff pretty much the entire time I was with them. Um, just shy of two years was all just headlining stuff, big festivals. First time playing um, 
not watershed what's the other one in michigan faster horses Fast, yeah, faster horses. Uh, a bunch of bunch of huge festivals like that and stuff i uh this past march i got a off a road offer for parmalee oh yeah i turned it down <laughs> i couldn't do it it's uh it's wild those guys like to party they're all they're all stand-up dudes man i love those guys to death um and they've just really taken back off yeah oh yeah big time uh, yeah yeah i remember the day that uh yeah, I think it was David Fanning was out on the bus. He's a songwriter and yeah, uh, producer and manager yeah. now too. Um, and I remember we had, we were playing in Georgia, somewhere in South Georgia, and it was a like an arts and crafts festival. And we were all on the bus waiting to go out for the show, and we were we've been banging demos. That's like the best thing to do on a bus. You just plug it in and let it roll, and then the one you sing the most is the one you're gonna put out. And I remember just the way. Like I, I still have the work tape from that when Matt was just, you know, singing the work tape and, uh, David was on the bus and we were all vibing out to it and he was like, dude, you should call Blanco Brown. <laughs> He's like, oh, that would be cool. You know, he's like, Dave's like, no, do it right now. So we called Blanco up and Matt was like, I want you to be on it with me and then look at it now. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, Damn. I think it was like billboards most played song of that year the wild dude that is crazy <laughs> yeah it's not it's not um but now just having all that experience and is are you on a bus with ella now or is it still a van yeah we actually uh we got a bus this this year so she got um the entire party tour we were on a bus her first time on a bus like that's pretty sweet yeah it's but the best with all this tour management experience coming into a rising star you know, you're just just now on a bus. You're hitting arena tours. Now you're hitting stadiums. With Morgan Wallen, what's the biggest thing that you've taken um, from your experience that you translate to what you do now? Like, what's the biggest thing you've learned throughout your tour management experience? There's a lot of stuff I've learned, but I think what it boils down to is just being a good person. I mean, that never. I just remember the first tour. One of the first tours I was on, I worked uh, with somebody and. Every day I had to go in and apologize to the venue staff because it was just so aggressive. Like he would just run in and just take the place by the balls and just do with it what he wanted to. And I was, I was like, man, this is, this is not good. Like this isn't, it's not what I've come from. Um, and it's not how I want to be remembered by any means. So, um, just being kind. I mean, that's, that's the one thing that I can, you know, one of the things I can say from Tyler, whenever we built it up to it around with, you know, Brooks and Dunn's and all these legends, you know, it's like we can still go play a show with them or a festival, go up and hug their necks. And people always, that was, we had the best reputation on the road because we were just kind, Yeah, you know, be respectful. Don't be like asking a whole lot of damn questions. You know, don't be rushing sound check. Just show up, do your job, be respectful and, say thank you on the way out the door you know um and that's you know ella and her band were like that whenever i met them um but that's that's the biggest thing for me is just being a good person and being kind because this is the best job in the world we do we play country music all over the place for all these people who pay a lot of money to come see you and uh you know it's it's easy to take this for granted it's easy to get caught up in the in the bullshit um and it's easy to get tired, like, like we said. Yeah, we, people get it, burned out fast on the road. Yeah, but if you show up 
you have a good attitude, you be kind to folks. I mean, you don't have to go do this. You get to go do this, right. you know, and that's, that's the difference for sure. So you say it's hard not to get caught up in the bullshit. The question, the follow-up question I was going to ask is, I'm sure you, do you, are you sober or do you drink? I drink. Yeah. So I know the road like really gets the people. Yeah. All the partying and that rock star lifestyle, especially when you're with an actual rock star. For sure. So how do you kind of balance that? Uh, just, you, you just have to understand that you're a representation of this person at all times at whatever camp you're with, whatever artist you're with. And it, it, and it goes for off the road too. You can be back here in Nashville, you can be at home. And I know that, uh, you know, I know my reputation and I know Ella's reputation. And the last thing I want to do is be a jackass to somebody. And then it's like, Oh, Ella, Ella Langley's tour manager. It's not just Chase Butler's Ella Langley. You know, Ella Langley's tour manager was a jackass or uh, country star Ella Langley's tour, you know, tour manager pulled over for DUI. It's like you can't you can't really act like that. You just have to you have to draw boundaries with yourself. You have to have boundaries within the band and with what you do on the road. Um, Like I said, my my camp is incredible. Um, My guys really don't drink a whole lot. I'm more of a casual drinker. Like I'll just get on the bus after a show and have a old fashioned and, you know, watch ridiculousness. Do you, you don't drink while you're working? Uh, I'll have a shot, um, before the show, the pre-show shot, but the, the time that she's on stage, I do not. Yeah. Yeah. Because Um, I am the one responsible. Right. Yeah. And if anything happens, everybody's looking at me, you know? So, um, no, you just gotta be aware. Yeah. The reason I ask is I personally don't, because I, I'm like, yeah. if anything goes wrong, right. I can't be, it's, it's I, I mean, I'm, I'm not on the road a lot, but like anything, if I'm even out at Live Oak, just kind of, depending on what's going on, but I know a lot of people do. A For lot sure. of people drink throughout and they, they're fine doing it. Yeah. But I was just curious, your kind of mentality on that. Yeah. I mean, it's different for everybody. And I know that, um, I mean, I know people that never stop drinking, yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, that's just not for me. I want to, you know, I want to have a good my head on a swivel, um, at all times, especially at a show. Um, even after the show, when you get off, it's not like you just party. It's not like that because you can be rolling on the bus and the bus break down. Right. Now you got to get a tow truck or you got to get a, we had this happened the other day and we had a, see you get on a bus and shit still happens that's what people forget it's like i can't wait to get on a bus there's a lot more parts but it's bigger problems yeah you know you were in a van you could just get out and change the tire on a van you can't just get out and change the tire on a bus but uh we had a bus issue the other day and sure enough we had to wake up had to call a rental company get a car had to find a some kind of vehicle that could carry the bus trailer Mm -hmm. luckily we were only an hour and a half out from the venue so uh it worked out we made it happen but yeah, shit like that happens all the time, and it's like you got to be, you got to have a good, you got to have good judgment. You just got to have your head on swivel because there's always rocks being thrown at you. Yeah, it feels like the once you start getting a bus, that's all I've heard. Yeah, once you get a bus, then it's game time. Then it's like you're gonna hit a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean even the logistics of parking buses at a venue. Yeah. People would think it's so easy. It's like, just pull in. It's like, no. One big expensive problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The bigger the bigger you are, the bigger the problem. Yeah. But they're comfy. They're very They are convenient. comfortable. Yeah. We love our bus. Um, were you on the road with, uh, when did you start with Tyler Braden? 
I just finished up with Parmalee. Um, they were going under new management, and I was just kind of looking for something else. Um, Tyler, Tyler and I lived together, and um, it just made sense. Like I, Tyler, Job, and I had all lived together too, so we knew. You know, we always just wanted to tour together. That was our thing, and Tyler's my boy. Always is, you know, always has been, always will be. But, um, yeah, he he was just signed his record deal, just announced a tour, and I went out. My first show with him full-time was the Brantley-Gilbert Cruise. Gotcha. And then after that, we announced the uh, Granger-Smith tour, and then COVID happened. I, okay, so I want to say I saw I saw him at the ranch in Fort Myers. Did you ever go there with him? Yeah, that was with uh, Dylan Scott. Is that, was that Dylan Scott? So that was before me. Then he was he must did he do that on acoustic. I don't remember. I just remember seeing him. Who did he go there with that you remember? We were just there. We went back uh, a month ago, two months ago. I don't know what. I don't even know what day this, it is. This was probably twenty. I think it was definitely twenty. Casey Donahue. No, I didn't see him there. Huh. I, I don't think know. it might have been Dylan Scott. But it might I have been. But I remember seeing him and his voice just nuts. Dude, it's unreal. But he was still a firefighter at the time. Yeah. And he, I remember he was talking about it and uh, I never forgot it because I wanted to be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. And at that time I had no, I had seen this was, I was kind of, I was in Statesboro, Georgia at the yeah. time. But um, I was home for I think spring break, um, but I just I wanted to be in the business, but I still wanted to be a firefighter. So this guy was like, the I guy. Be him. yeah, right. I want to be like, this is my first time hearing him. I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna keep up to date with everything he's doing. And then it was like right after that, everything happened for him. Yeah. So it was just cool to see, and especially to hear like stories about you just seeing it firsthand, like you being behind the scenes. That's cool for me to hear. Yeah. Yeah, Tyler, man, he his story's unreal. Um, you know, he was doing the firefighter thing in Alabama, was looking for a way to get to Nashville. Luckily, Brentwood Fire was um, was hiring, so he moved up. Um, a long time ago, we met at the floor of Bama. That was like our first time we met. Um, he was playing with another guy, and that guy's girlfriend knew me and knew that I wanted to be in music and this kind of thing, so... She texts me. She's like, hey, I got this guy you need to meet. He's playing at the Bama right now. So, once again, I was underage. I, th- I don't know how I got in, but I went in and um, met Tyler for the first time. We swapped each other's you know, information. And then uh, I thought he was great then, and I think he was just doing covers. I don't think he played anything original. And then um, that's where it gets fishy because I can't remember how long that was. It could have been two months. It could have been 12 months. I have no idea. But he texted me out of the blue one day. He's like, hey, man, I'm moving to Nashville. need a place to stay. Um, you know anybody – or I've got a place to stay. Do you know anybody looking for a roommate? And my lease was up the following month. I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> so the second time Tyler and I ever met, we were moving in together. That's crazy. And uh, like I said, that's where, you know, we didn't have anything in the house. And I found the Snapchat videos the other day of um, him cutting little red wine in the living room of our house back then he cut the work tape there um we had another roommate who was uh michael rhodes he he's now with thomas rett um at the time he was with kelsey ballerini as a guitar tech and uh kelsey's front of house guy 
they just got to talking or whatever and he came over and cut the cut the master so that's how little red wine happened hmm. but yeah we it, it's it's awesome to look back and see tyler's career what where he started as a firefighter and and uh where he is now and the fact that he still gives back you know he does this charity golf tournament every year yeah. we've been doing that for uh i think this was the third year um gives back to hungry heroes and um national fallen firefighters foundation um he he really you know does his due diligence to give back to that community for sure yeah is there a way to plug that is it can people just donate or is it every uh the golf tournament is every year it's every october um at the governor's club um so just be paying attention to tyler's socials um be on the lookout for that for sure cool before we get off the uh the tour management subject what uh What's your craziest story on the road? Oh, my god! I'm sure you have so many, oh, but yeah. you're the craziest one you can think of. Got you. Right off the dome. I'll never forget this day. We were in Trenton, Missouri, and we were playing a festival, first-year festival, out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you, you have you been to Missouri? Cape Girardeau. Uh, yeah. Middle of nowhere. Like, you were out in the field, and they set up this stage, and it was Maddie and Tay, Parmalee, uh, Jackson Brown and we were at this brewery like I said out in the middle of a field Maddie and Tay went on stage they played and as they were getting off you could tell like there was a storm rolling in well you can see storms for miles out there mm-hmm. we were like oh that's down there we're not worried about it and uh, the promoter came up to me and she's like what should we do I was like, well, you're the promoter. Don't ask. I was 23 at the time. I was like, don't ask me. I'm, you know, I don't know. Um, no, so we got this plan together, you know, that if it started raining or whatever, that, you know, we'd make stage announcements and get people out. And that's what happened. We got about three songs in, and it the bottom just fell out. Lightning, storm, the whole thing. So we got, you know, in the bus, bunkered down. People were out underneath these big event tents and stuff for hours. Never let up. Stormed all night, bro. Maddie and Tay, they left. Got their bus out of there. Jackson Brown, dude, I think they just left their damn gear and just got out of there on their <laughs> bus. But we were in the middle of our set when it started all that, so we had to, you know, just kind of, they lowered the stage and all our gear was still on stage. So we covered it up as best we could. And I remember we, uh, it was like 10 o'clock at night. Like we were supposed to be gone and out of there. We had a show the next day in Colorado that we had to get to oh, from shit. Missouri. And I had both of my bus drivers out. Well, when it started storming, they were already supposed to be at the hotel. They ended up just sleeping on the bus because they're like, this is too bad. We're just going to stay here. So I had two drivers on the bus, the whole band and crew on the bus. And uh, it took us all night to load out our gear because I couldn't ask my team to go out. In the, it's, there's lightning popping everywhere, yeah. bro. And uh, we finally get the lock on the trailer at 6 a.m. And how long was that drive to Colorado? I don't know because I never slept. As soon as I got on the bus, all of our gear was drenched, muddy. Like, I just didn't know if anything worked. So I got on the phone at like 6.30 that morning and started advancing back line. I was like, we need this, this, and this. They ran through. They got everything for us. Um, And I remember we showed up to Colorado – to the show we were opening for clint black or clay walker i can't remember i think it was 
I don't know. Anyway, one of the two. And uh, we showed up to Colorado. They had our back line ready. We pushed doors 30 minutes, and we were able to play. Hmm. We got through three songs and started storming again. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was it. They just called the show. So did all that for three songs in back Colorado. To, back to Nashville from there? No. We, we were in the middle of a two-week run. or That was the second show of a two-week run. Dang. And I wanted to go home right I, then. I bet. I right been like, after right. that night, it started storming in Colorado. I was about to just say hell with it. That should have been artist manager. <laughs> I want to be home. Yeah, please. <laughs> Can we swap spots? No, we had the next days off. Um, we had like two days off in um, Oregon. And that's where I found like a little, you ever heard of Bandon, Oregon? Mm-mm. Super dope spot. If you ever get a chance to go, go. Because it's uh, they've got one of the best golf courses in the country there, Bandon Dunes. And, um, but it's a little small beach town and that's exactly what I needed whenever we got finished with all that (laughs) shit. But yeah. Um, I should have asked this before, but real quick for the people that don't know anything about tour management, could you really explain just what your role is as a tour manager, like a spark notes version? Yeah. Um, what I like to do is I'd like to get all of my work done during the week. So that whenever I am on the road, I just, I also get to enjoy myself and not just be bogged down with work. But, uh, yeah, you just, you start by advancing the shows. You work, you know, closely with your manager and your booking agent. Once you get the show confirmed, you, uh, get a contract, you dissect the contract, you go through it you get to see who is who at what venue, who you need to talk to. Um, you advance backline if you need to. Um, so you talk with show promoters, um, production contacts all that good stuff um and then for me i start booking travel uh if it's a fly date if it's a bus date if it's a van date whatever you have to book the transportation you have to you know uh buy everybody's plane tickets whatever the case may be and then you got to get there so i've never missed a show i will say that we've always made it happen somewhere or the other but yeah, you just you're the problem solver. People come to you all day, every day, needing something. Um, whether it's your bus to be moved, or you know, to settle the show, or whatever, people are, are always needing something from you. Um, so, like I said, just being kind yeah. uh, on your advance calls. Um, you know, day of show is pretty easy for tour managers. You just kind of if you've done all the work. If you don't all leg work beforehand, like I said, I like my show days to be smooth. Get up, you know, go see who your contacts are. Finally, get to meet them in person. Um, for me, right now, we're we're first to three on the party tour, and and I've really been first. We've I've been with first to three acts all year, in like arenas or amphitheaters or whatever. So I've kind of got the best job in the world. Mm-hmm. I you know I get up early just because, but um, my day. Really don't start till about noon. You texted me at like five thirty this morning. Yeah, I was just up. Uh, I'm trying to get off. We were in Vegas for three days. I'm trying to like reset. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I get up early and and you know, like I said, you go around meet the, all the folks, print set list, you know, make sure merch is situated. Um, yeah, and then showtime comes. You make sure artist is ready, band's ready. Um. I stand side stage every night and watch the show. I know there's a lot of tour managers that are in their production office working. I don't like to do that. I like to have eyes on it. I like to see what I 
what I help accomplish. You have, you, know? you wear the in-ears? Like, are you all? I I used to. Um, I don't really right now. Um, one, we don't have enough packs. Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, I will just so I can hear talk back if anybody yeah. needs anything during the show. Or, uh, you know, now I have to look for a few different things. I used to be with, you know, I was with female artists back in the day. And then I've been with male artists, you know, so now there's like, wardrobe things mm-hmm. that could happen or or whatever and i just got to be cognizant yeah. you know of that that's another reason why i don't drink because if i have to run to the green room to grab x y and z or if i have to pull somebody out of the front row for being a jackass or whatever you just gotta <laughs> you gotta be prepared for anything oh, yeah. so um i don't even the, know if that answers your question I'm no sorry. yeah it de- definitely does <laughs> but going back to the in your thing mm-hmm. um for me i when I do did do the tour management stuff, because obviously, like, so we only have a tour from the artist that I manage. We only have a tour manager for like the West Coast stuff, yeah, where he's from. Um, we don't have someone on the East Coast, so that would be me. Gotcha. When we do play over here, um, but I always wear in ears because if something goes wrong, I have to be able to hear in the talk back. However, I do not know anything audio wise. Like, if something were to happen with the guitar, or I can't change a guitar string. So really. I'm essentially useless as far as a tour manager <laughs> position. So how did you come to learn all that stuff to be like ready for if a guitar string breaks or whatnot? Yeah, I, I, I throw guitars for Ella and I tune in between songs. That's about my extent. I can change a guitar string. I've had to do it with Tyler. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. You just got to, you kind of just get thrown in these situations and it's kind of sink or swim. And I've always just somehow kept my head afloat. Um, you know, I was with Parmley guys for a while and, and they did guitar changes all the time. Well then we, you know, you get rid of a guitar tech and now it's just you, yeah. right? They're like, all right, we need to cut back something. And this with any band, uh, you know, they try to cut back or they try to, you know, condense or whatever. And it's like, all right, well now we got to do guitar changes. We got to tune guitars. What, who's going to do it? Well, I'm the only guy size stage. So I, I better learn how to do something, you know? Yeah. Just got to figure it out. Sweet. Yeah. I'm not the most uh, audio uh, savvy guy either. I mean, that's the one thing that I kicked myself over. I wish I would have went to like Blackbird instead of mm-hmm. actual college <laughs> to like learn the production side of yeah. things. Um, but it's another thing. It just, it can come with experience by just being thrown sure. into the deep end, learn how to swim. Yeah. Now I know how to like scan for frequencies for mm-hmm. in-ears and do all that kind of shit too. So now, real quick, just jumping from the tour management side of things, what exactly, so you're the events manager at Jam Factory. Yeah. What exactly does that entail for your role? Um, so I was brought on earlier this year. Um, they just needed somebody to handle private events. Um, so for people that don't know, Jam Factory handles a uh, majority of the um, um, band activations downtown Nashville. So... 1230 club dirk bentley's um w hotel there's a bunch of hotels that we cover as well um we provide all the talent for that um we have our way of uh scheduling folks and getting them paid and um you know promoting um local artists in nashville um so with some of these bigger clients such as 1230 club dirk bentley's you have these corporate companies that come in and want to book 
private parties. So they'll do like a uh, 1230 club has a supper club. So they would do a supper club buyout from, you know, six o'clock to 10 o'clock. Uh, we need a fun, upbeat, um, male country artist, uh, predominantly country. We need a, you know, upbeat female, you know, like pop ish kind of thing. They kind of give us a vibe, you know, like mm-hmm. what's the vibe you're looking for. Right. And, uh, yeah. So then kind of the same thing I'm doing with the tour management thing. It's just all logistics from then you figure right. out loading time, sound check times, um, how many people are in the band, what their production needs are. Um, if meals are involved, what it's, you treat it just like a show. So, um, been lucky to work, uh, with this company and with these guys for, uh, th- this past year. They do sure. a good thing for people here. They do, man. It's, they it's, do. And that's, that's something that we hold true. And that's something we talk about all the time as a company is, uh, you know, Nashville, um, the Nashville music scene is something special. It has been for a long time and we want to preserve that for sure. Yeah. So we try to give everybody a chance, try to get everybody booked. Obviously it's hard because, you know, everybody's moving to Nashville mm-hmm. and there's only so many, you know, places that have live music yeah. that we can put you. So my, uh, I was really worried. Cause my girlfriend just moved here in September from Indiana. I was worried. I was like, she's not gonna be able to get a gig on Broadway. So she's playing in Indiana all the time, making a ton of money, right? Moves to Nashville to write and just kind of be around everything. Mm-hmm. So she's not gonna be able to get a gig. Yeah. Jam factory welcomed her with open arms. Absolutely. And man. she's been playing all the time. Valentine. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Love the Valentine. Dude. Yeah. It's a good spot. It's my one of my favorite spots. I'd say it is. It's cool cool place and it's one of the few places on broadway that actually have a decent bourbon selection are you a bourbon drinker no i no? can't do dark liquor oh. something about it just makes me not good yeah probably <laughs> something from georgia southern you carried over huh yeah i was a big uh <laughs> i was more of like a jack and coke guy there. yeah yeah but uh but yeah you want to plug your socials or anything yeah it's just i am chase butler on everything uh instagram is probably the best place to find me um but yeah, anybody that ever needs anything or would like to talk or whatever, hit me up. Yeah. Before we end, I do want to say um, the mentorship has been a big thing for me. Just reaching out to people in DMs and just kind of networking, looking to grab coffee or anything. So, what do you have? Like, what's your opinion on that? Um, for people just reaching out to you to network and. Please do it. Um, obviously, I'm on the road all the time, but pretty much my weeks in town are pretty slim. So, outside of advancing but uh yeah hit me up I, by all means would love to grab coffee or a drink with somebody and and help them get here and uh chase their dream too cool well chase thanks for joining us appreciate you my man thanks for having me yep thank you all for listening to another episode of behind the music biz a raised rowdy podcast thanks again to our guest chase butler be sure to like rate and subscribe to the podcast you can check out more from Raise Rowdy at RaiseRowdy.com and on social media at Raise Rowdy. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Behind the Music Biz. And you can find me on social media at Peyton Heben. That's P-E-Y-T-O-N-H-E-B-E-N. We'll see you all next Tuesday for episode number five.